0: First we do our weekly market update. Volumes recover as the end of the month nears, and the polar vortex heats up Chicago. And then on to the other big headlines of the week. Knight Swift's margins improve across the board with lower operating ratios reported. C.H. Robinson beats the street's consensus on earnings growth by double digits. Truckload stocks are outperforming the S&P 500 so far in 2019. A new coalition seeks the repeal of the federal excise tax on heavy trucks and trailers. Arbitration isn't dead after a new prime, law firm says, but the states will be the battleground. And truckers could be the focus of a vehicle miles traveled tax proposal, said a lawmaker. I'm JP.
1: And I'm Chad.
0: And we discuss all these issues and more on this week's episode of What to Truck.
1: Hey, great to be here with you, JP. Great to be back in the saddle, man. Yeah, uh, boy, those were a lot of headlines you're reading there.
0: Yeah, a lot of headlines. We're not doing a big deal, little deal.
1: Okay, uh, what's the deal with that? that was that was all on you, man. I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, it's just like there's a <clears throat> there's a there's kind of a lot of things to talk about, and I just thought I would save our uh, our, our uh, listening audience the valuable. Yeah, last week, uh, last two week was like
0: a marathon, like sessions. So yeah, we'll just try to make it a little more concise.
1: Hey, yeah, nice. just uh cut what, down what, to talk. What, do what do you got there? Uh well it's I, I uh have uh by Hutton Smith um a brewery here in Chattanooga. Um there it's nice beer by uh people who give a schist. Uh and the particular kind I'm drinking right now, JP, it's it's Crux Max, mass. Crux mass. Uh it's a full bodied uh winter warmer uh Crux, Christmas. Just just delicious. Nice. uh 6.8 by volume i'm in the holiday spirit and don't tell me don't tell me
0: i'll say this go big orange and i'm not talking about the tennessee volunteers or schneider national i'm talking <laughs> about this beautiful orange can of bells two-hearted sitting in front of me
1: well it's great to be here uh and great to uh celebrate the sponsorship of redwood logistics Redwood Logistics is one of the nation's fastest-growing logistics providers, fueled by industry-leading technology and a passionate team of experts. From multimodal brokerage and dedicated truckload to third-party logistics and TMS consulting, implementation, and integration, Redwood Logistics delivers next-generation solutions for its clients and much more than a truckload. And you know, th- to this you know this is an interesting week. What do you like? So yeah, we're we're covering yeah. a weekly market it, playbook.
0: It, Nick we're, Austin really showed out this week with the color the, <laughs> the vortex coming. Right? Um, the
1: yeah. Guess what? It's cold. Like everywhere. Uh, so let's start with that polar vortex. There've been ice jams, and we don't mean like you know vanilla ice bringing <laughs> bringing you the jams. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I said that. Uh, we mean like disruptions happening yeah, because really, uh, of all kinds. I mean,
0: it's got, gotten so cold in parts of the Midwest that you literally can't really operate a diesel truck without significant significant additives. We've I've seen reports on uh, you know drivers' uh, Facebook groups about just seeing. Dozens of trucks on the side of the road in Indiana
1: and Ohio because really? of fuel gelling. Well, they're um, they're not even allowed in the state of New York on some most yeah, of the major highways, uh, um, according to uh, meteorologist um, Nick Austin. Um, but also, like the mail isn't getting through in in some zip codes nationwide. Oh, yeah, uh, also in Chicago, what they're heating up the the rails. Yeah. Uh, so the I situation mean, with
0: that is like so they don't a crack. Oh, there's that, but a lot of these like drainage drivers, um, the guys who go into the big rail hubs like Chicago, St. Louis, uh, Memphis, you know, they you, a lot of times in this, in Chicago with the uh, tight capacity and intermodal, with a lot of the trains coming in, kind of being snarled. Obviously, the weather affects trains as well. Yeah. Um, these range drivers are having to wait longer and longer to pick up these boxes off the trains and take them to warehouses. Uh huh. They're not willing to do that in the very cold weather. They're just not they're sitting out and it's creating some.
1: Well, oh, I'm I, I'm North, not, I wouldn't North be willing North. to do that in negative twenty five degree yeah, weather, so would Norfolk, you?
0: Norfolk Southern had to cancel a lot of intermodal services going yeah. through Chicago. Um, there yeah, are
1: just simply disruptions. The other right? big
0: disruption I would say is that there is now like a really significant shortage of reefer capacity in the midwest and it's Uh, not because people are trying to keep things cold it's because it's it's all about freeze protection yeah if you're shipping any kind of beverage like beer or soda or water or even produce you know you can't they would normally be in a dry van if it's negative 25 it's got to be in an insulated trailer you might even have to run you know the fridge to keep it at, a, at, a timber, at the correct temperature. So right. It
1: doesn't... Well, uh, yeah. So, uh, one of our uh, market experts, Donnie Gilbert, on Freight Waves Now on Wednesday, did a deep dive for us on that. Um, and was just talking about, like, you know, the different things that you, if you aren't, if you do, haven't been able to grab a, a reefer truck and suddenly you find yourself going into a place where you're going to be into sub-freezing temperatures, what do you do? You know? Mm-hmm. One, of his, one of the... One of the interesting blankets? What what, blankets. Well, if it's uh, if it's not as severe, okay. Well, that's a new one. Um, but if it's not as severe as some of the temperatures we've been talking about this week, but if it's if it's more like a if hovering at the thirty degree level, um, the sheer uh, movement of the truck the bed vibration. itself will keep things from freezing. freezing yep. And that's why, though, if you have to park, you keep your truck idling so the vibrations continue. Yep. He also said in certain major situations, you might back that bed up into a, you know, a shipper's warehouse where they would literally, like, you know, give you some hot air uh, mm-hmm. for a while. But that seemed, you know, I, I asked about that because that seemed like, well, how long is that going to last? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. it just doesn't seem, and then that's a lot of arrangements to be made. Right. But you're saying blankets, too. Well, anyway, that does explain, to some extent, the heated Midwest reefer market. <laughs> yeah.
0: You know, I mean, I was talking to a broker today uh, based out of Chicago, handles, his brokerage handles about 60-65% reefer, he said he just got slammed yesterday four percent margins couldn't find a reefer truck having to pay out the nose for him wow Just, yeah
1: because yeah the the show must go on yep. uh in in and out of Siberia, as uh ah. <laughs> as we've been right uh, or sh- sh- chicago um being sort of uh like yeah i bet as cold right now as siberia probably well, colder yeah. because no, the, i don't know the polar vortex
0: moved away from asia in Chicago, America. And so it's probably a little bit warmer in Siberia than it is in Chicago.
1: But I guess we would be remiss to uh, not mention volumes here at the end of January, January 31st, coming coming live to you right now here at the end of the month, everyone. Hope you're getting ma- meeting all your deadlines. Uh, yeah, but it's
0: a little bit of a sort of end-of-month bump, um, which is normal. Seems like it with the volumes. Yeah, which is, is normal for trucking. Um, And it's good because we were on a little bit of a gradual slide. You know, January started off pretty strong and then kind of...
1: Fell way off for a couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, and it kind of is sort of...
1: Sort We're kind of, of mud, finding kind of this way, well.
0: muddle through and see what the rest of this quarter is going to look
1: like. That's my assessment too, uh, man. Uh, and I tell you, it's 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 interesting. You know, I mean, just yeah, everything. You know, it's just it's just kind of one of those years so far. You can't make any predictions at the end of January, no. but you know, you can experience kind of a historical historic you know you know it's kind of slow yeah like I, it's, think, I
0: think definitely when the truckload carriers go to report uh q1 earnings
1: yeah
0: it's going to be really tough comps against q1 2018 and you know maybe that's why you know so they sold off so much end of last year but you know we've got
1: yeah and well that and that's we'll a good segue a
0: we'll talk about that a little bit later
1: that's uh, a good segue. Uh, you know you, we've been reporting on earnings um, this week. Uh, certainly, we have, and we, you know, as well as last week, what an entertaining discussion that was last week with with uh, Sultan of Sonar, Zach Strickland in the house with us. Um, it is, you know, right. Let's uh, follow up with a few interesting earnings call. I will say, like, if I can just like, so we're gonna hit Knight Swift yeah. and uh, yep. C H Robinson. It doesn't really get any bigger than that in terms of, um,
0: Transportation
1: you know, yeah, U S. Except for the rails, I guess. <laughs> right. Um. Um. Um, yeah. and, and so I the guess
0: biggest, my- the biggest truckload carrier, the biggest 3PL.
1: I mean, I know we can dive deep into some of these things and I hope you do hit us with some uh, really interesting numbers on these stories, but you know, overall I think that you know, it's like where are we right now? We're we're in twenty nineteen. We're we're deep into it, deep enough. Uh, one twelfth of the way anyway, and, and, and a third of the way through the first quarter. And um and we know what was it, we know what was happening in, in Q four, I feel yeah, like we a little do. bit. We do. Okay, we, you know so what what
0: we knew was yeah. general free market conditions, right? right what we didn't know was how are these companies yeah. performing
1: that's that's certainly true right. that's certainly so, true you know, what good well, good or bad decisions did they make leading into that time were they ready
0: did they yeah. capitalize on a you know almost historic opportunity
1: well and tell and tell us like start us off with... Um, with um Night Swift? yeah please um,
0: yeah i mean there's you know, so night the night so you know, Knight Swift, obviously the largest truckload carrier in the country, a product of a merger between night Trucking and Swift. You know, as a um, transportation consultant told me when I was a, a young uh, transportation journalist, oh said yes, Knight has been always been one of the very best run trucking companies. Swift has always been large and mediocre. Oh, and that story.
1: But I also know they had kind of opposite cultures as exactly. well. Exactly.
0: Knight was very, uh, a lot smaller, a lot more disciplined, a lot more uh, you know, focused on not chasing revenue, not trying to grow too big. She yeah. Focused on efficiency, focused on dense networks, uh, mid sort of lengths of haul not 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 a lot of irregular over the road stuff that's really hard to make money at and utilize your assets consistently while you're doing yes so they, they, they ran in a very tight ship Swift was like the behemoth that you know trained a lot of new drivers and turned a lot of people over and uh-huh. went all over the place had very they have a lot of dedicated service that does well too but that story is starting to ch- you know and a lot of people were skeptical about the Night Swift merger it's kind of like can, right. Is, is night going to improve Swift, or is Swift going to drag Knight down?
1: Well, and and, and before you even dive into the actual numbers, and along the lines of the, what you're saying, is um, that also this will be the very last time that the company reports Knight and Swift as separate entities. Interesting. You know, so um, they're going to kind of create them all they're, as these different segments. So, right. There's going to be night trucking, Swift truckload, Swift dedicated, and Swift refrigerated, or as we've been referring to it reefer. Yeah. Well they, um, still,
0: they still report yeah. Anyway, that's 10%. that's
1: what they that's what they said yeah. at the end of there. Um, um
0: so night trucking predictably performed very well. Uh dropped the operating ratio by three hundred and ten basis points down to eighty one point five percent.
1: Well can you can you like um I mean that's the that it's very like Analyst of you, but like, let's let's what does that mean to that, our that like means, audience? Of, that
0: means that for every so 81.5% operating ratio means for every dollar of revenue you take in, 81.5 cents are spent on expenses, so you get to keep the rest. Yeah, yeah, so they're keeping what 18.5 cents out of that, out of that, um,
1: and so that's why, yes, the the lower, lower, the better, like an ERA or a golf score.
0: Yeah. Or, or a debt ratio or, you know, lots of metrics. Debt ratio. going lower is better. Um, so they've always been great. I mean, and you know, for a typical trucking company, I mean, you know, Schneider reported, uh, today, they're a very high tech, large enterprise carrier Their, their, um, OR was like 91 something. Yeah, so they're, yeah, you know, so eighty one point five is way better. Yes, right, um, big improvement, real, you know a three hundred ten basis point improvement, so three point one percent improvement, year over year is is great. Um, this is what's really interesting. Okay, this was the big surprise. Okay, was that Swift truckload dropped to seventy eight point eight percent? Or Way, even more efficient than Knight. I don't think anyone, you know, that, that was, now that is
1: that is surprising, and you kind of gave us some context that's a for really that
0: incredible stat. They were pulling that down all year. I think that no, I don't think anyone would have predicted that Swift would ever run that efficiently. Um, and we're starting to see how they're doing it, they, and, and how is that? They are really kind of adopting the Knight model, they're getting more disciplined. On what kind of freight hmm. they haul and where they go, and I mean, because here's what's interesting: that this was, they they their overall their top line revenues in Swift Truckload went down 13.3 percent. So they're they're taking in less money, but um they're running their business so much more efficiently, and that's how they're that's honestly how they're doing. I mean, they're, they're they're not taking freight that loses money. They're not taking freight that doesn't fit their network. They're trying to optimize. They're being disciplined about how their sales force interacts with their operations. Yeah. To make sure that the promises they're making to shippers actually help them, you know, make money. But that operation.
1: must be easier said than done, or oh, they yeah. would have done it already. And it's everybody meant... can say that that's the way to do it. But I guess actually executing on that is a different story.
0: Yeah, it's been, um, this was the... Fourth quarter. Cor- so it's now been a full year that the two companies have been completely integrated. Um, so you know. Um,
1: yeah. So maybe yeah. Just like uh, like LeBron eight. James needs time to gel with his team before he wins a championship <laughs> or something, right? Yeah, you got so a I little think, chemistry, I mean, maybe. We were
0: talking on the general Slack channel for our company, you know, the, our internal chat thing for our company, and everyone was pretty impressed and surprised by what, what's the numbers that Swift put up.
1: Uh, and it's a little confusing, I think. Actually, in the article, where I think it's written that it it, it, it went up, but I think, yeah, I think maybe meant, the I
0: think the Kingston meant improved, but obviously for ORs, improved, improved
1: it has to go down. For OR to improve, it goes down, just like a pitcher's ERA. To use another sports analogy, I suppose. Uh, well, thanks for that. Uh, I think you gave us the highlight on that story, um, or you know what the the big takeaway. What what's up with C H Robinson? I mean. That, yeah. the, they were, they've, they It seems like you know all conditions were right, yeah, for them. Um, and they, and they,
0: exactly. So the fourth quarter of 2018, um, most of their contract business had been repriced higher to reflect, you know, just you know, shippers wanted to stay out of the spot market, so they they moved their contract prices higher. And at the same time, that the fourth quarter is when capacity really started loosening up. And so, CH was able to exploit that. You know, th- they refer to contract and spot. If, if you read this, if you read CH CH Robinson's financial statements, they yeah. refer to contract and spot as price and cost, what they charge versus what they pay. Um, and hmm. what's interesting about them is that they are able to adjust their business model to different points in the freight market cycle. So, a lot of analysts were using words like they, they're a defensive name, meaning that if you think the economy is slowing down or the freight market is, is crumbling, you buy them to play defense. Uh-huh. Because they do well. They can do well in any kind of market. <laughs> um, they So they're kind
1: of a chameleon. But yeah. which is unusual for such a behemoth. Uh,
0: exactly, you know exactly. Yeah, they're, they're by far the largest uh, 3PL. Um, so the, the core business, you know, they have several sort of businesses. I mean, if you, you think of a C. H. Robinson, it's over 100 years old. Uh, it started off as a broker of produce. Um, okay. And um, and that's that's the, that, that's now called the Robinson Fresh division, and it's actually kind of a smart division. Now, now what's really the core of the business? It's what they call NAST or North American Surface Transportation, and that's that's their that's their big brokerage. Um, they were able to grow EPS. Uh, over the, the the whole company was able to grow EPS 24%. Um, I think that Wall Street predicted 12%, so they doubled that. Yeah, I um, think that's
1: a big takeaway from the and story. What's
0: interesting is that they're getting, you know, they've adjusted their model to take advantage of the difference between contract and spot. They're moving more yeah. into contract freight um, in 2019, about 65 35 is what. Um, uh, Weyhoff, the uh, the CEO, guided for, and the only other thing I'll I'll mention is that they're 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 continuing to invest in technology. They're going to spend about two hundred million dollars on um, information technology in 2019, and that's driving efficiency uh, in, in the fourth quarter they grew. Yeah,
1: acquiring technology and implementing it does increase efficiency. It increases
0: productivity. They're trying uh, yeah, to productivity. It, it, all these work processes.
1: Yes, that is what we are, like, you know, we, I think at, like, our organization, that is one of the big messages that we, you know, are, are really trying to get across, because I don't think the uh, you know, as, as our CEO, Craig Fuller, has said, the broader media does not understand uh, freight, commercial freight, right? right? And right. and commercial freight doesn't understand technology yeah, completely, yeah. or right. at least the media in in, in commercial freight doesn't understand right. um, technology. And so to see... A lot of the analysts were
0: asking about yeah, this, because uh-huh. one of the interesting parts about the fourth quarter results was that they grew their top-line revenue... The top-line revenue growth, the gross revenues...
1: Doubling expectations.
0: Well, it's earnings per share, so it's going to be net. But the gross revenues, the the total amount of money they took in only grew 4.5%. But
1: the bottom
0: line, the net revenues grew 13%. So they're able to grow huh. their profits thirteen percent on revenue growth of only four point five percent, which means because they're, they're
1: more efficient, that's they're exactly what that means. Yeah. So it's it, thanks for that explanation.
0: They're doing, they're doing it's more loads per broker. It's higher net revenue dollars per load. It's you know yeah. obviously you've got you know you've got the bottom falling out of the spot market, which is always good if that's where you're buying.
1: Well, um, I, you know, but you've really done um, your your homework on Ch Robinson. Of course, you you wrote that article, but um, that that was actually, I think, educational, um, and, and I, I I I like that. I mean, I sometimes you know, I appreciate that deep deep dive. Yeah, there, um,
0: I mean, it's an interesting company, and it's it's really. Uh, they're kind of... You're um, kind of
1: making me excited about earnings. (laughs) Like, yeah, you've come a long way where I have. Um, Yeah. Well,
0: let's, um, we've got another story kind of just about how these earnings have played out and how, uh, sort of what Wall Street's uh, sentiment toward uh, truckload socks has, has been. And it's really that Short-cold stocks have yep. been outperforming the S and P 500 so far in 2019.
1: Yeah, this is kind of our like macro, kind of like a little bit of a larger look. Um, yeah, it's little, a sector. Yeah, uh, kind of our market. You know, a little bit like a broader look at the market playbook, and well, will tell us. You know, to, like so, you, you well, wrote this article as well, I did, or covered um, it. Um,
0: one of the interesting concepts that we kind of explored in this article was the idea of beta, and. Bef- you know, before you talk about beta, you can talk about right. alpha. Al- you know, you've heard, probably heard of the website seeking alpha. Yes. And alpha is just, how much does a stock are you outperforming the market? If, if you're
1: being alpha. Like you, you mean, you're alpha. A, your alpha a, you're seeking alpha. If, if
0: you're seeking alpha, you're seeking that edge above the market. Yes. Your alpha is defined as how much you're outperforming the market by. Beta is a So little- what
1: does it mean to be high beta? So As the
0: beta is okay, different so just, than alpha. Beta is your volatility with regard to the market. So if the s yes. and 500 goes up 1% and you go up
1: 1%, you y- have a
0: beta you're, of 1. Right. If the beta if, if the And this is what you explain in the article. Yeah, if it goes up 1%, you go up half a percent, you have a beta of 0.5. If, if the S B and 500 goes up, One, you know, five percent. You go up ten percent. You know, you have a beta of two, right? So it's, it's sort of, it's basically your volatility compared to the market. It's a measure of risk, yeah. Right. So it's you know, no risk, no reward. If you if you're buying high beta stocks, you expect to make more money in the good times, and you expect to lose more money in the bad times. Um, and you kind of adjust when you are constructing a portfolio. You kind of look at the the beta of all the different you know elements of your portfolio to, to sort of gauge how much risk you're taking on versus the whole market truckload stocks tend to be high beta.
1: so if you have l- listened up if you have ascertained <laughs> that up until um hit this then congratulations um so and you are saying that um but that i mean that's a good overview i know it's kind of hard to maybe absorb what, what that means for but us is transportation that stocks
0: transportation stocks and especially truckload stocks are high beta meaning they, high tend, beta. they tend to move up and down more than the larger market.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, and that's where we're at. We're, yeah. we're, we're looking at some transportation stocks, right? They yeah. have a high beta.
0: And they're and, you know, the S&P 500 has gained, uh, when this article was written, it gained about 7% over the year. And there were trucking stocks, a couple of trucking stocks at least. Um, I want to say Knight Swift and... Um, one other one other stock that had been up over twenty percent for the year, um, so well outperforming them. Yeah, it's interesting because it's like, it, what does this really mean? Does it mean that investors think that you know, although there might be tough year-over-year comps going into twenty nineteen, that truckload stocks are still going to benefit from relatively high pricing? That they still they still have another year of solid margins ahead of them. Does it mean something even larger about the market, and maybe the market is, you know, you know, maybe thinking like, okay, I'm not going to be completely risk off. I'm not going to just go into bonds. I'm not that afraid of a recession. I'll I'll I'll, I'll buy up some of these vo- more volatile stocks because I'm confident that even something sensitive to the economy, you know, can is going to do well. I mean, it's it's kind of interesting. I, I I don't really know. It could be it could just be that. Um,
1: you know, yeah well that, i mean that they
0: sold off so much in december that they they were cheap and, and people people brought money back to the table
1: well so you know well they're the you know they're outperforming right now but yet at the same time you know morgan stanley's ravi shanker remained somewhat bearish on the asset carrier stocks right yeah i he, mean even uh, yeah, he, it was about last week to this uh to the to the day And uh, just basically, I think what we said at the beginning of the cast here is that just January tends to be a weaker trucking month. And it's hard to know what's going to happen. there is, though, as you covered here, this fear of a trend that could follow 2015. And I find that interesting.
0: Right. So... Essentially, just an off year, kind of a lost year, a uh, stagnant. Let's hope uh, not. growth, <clears throat> but, you know, bad prices, you know, low prices.
1: If it, um, if it is that, in some ways, as our chief economist uh, was saying, uh, Ibrahim uh, Bayon was saying this morning, you know, it, it, if we do have that kind of a year, it might be just that we couldn't get out of our own way. Uh, it just seems like, you know, there's we're, we're getting in the way of the economy being able to do better than it is for a number of reasons. But down the, the yeah, right.
0: Zeroes,
1: the, like, the, 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 let's hope we do get out of our own way and hope springs eternal, as they say. Right. I mean, even here on January 31st. Um, well, like, should we talk about a legal thing going on? Uh, yeah, the, the tax... Like, piece. let's let's cover some uh, law, some stuff, okay. in, in a fun and entertaining way for everyone. Yeah, we
0: have right? we have two tax stories and an arbitration story. <laughs> <laughs> well, what? we'll start with the excise tax first. That was that was the one that was coming down um, next in the in the pipeline. Uh, the new coalition. Of, oh, okay. Of, of truck builders, OEMs mostly, uh, seeking the repeal of. The federal excise tax on heavy trucks
1: and trailers. Okay, this is something that, you know, everyone out there who has to pay this tax and even those who don't and learn about this should be fired up about. Why I am like, let's, this is ridiculous. It's a 102 year old tax um, and finally a coalition and like there's finally enough support and allies it's
0: called, it's called the to get rid of it. Modernize the Truck Fleet Coalition. That's what it's called.
1: Yes um, um mo- yes, modernize the uh the truck fleet and yeah, the tr- or modernize the truck fleet, I think is also yeah. whether just for sh- shorter and it's uh okay, so basically there has been this like if you buy a new truck, you pay uh a 12 percent excise tax uh and you know and and you do that now and this was a law that went into effect in 1917. Right, that was supposed to help pay for uh World War One, and at the time it was three percent,
0: right? So, like, <laughs> so what happened? Like, have right, you paid for World War One yet,
1: <laughs> <laughs> but also, though, it was even included in kind of like a 1986 um, you know, tax, yeah, you know, reform bill, bill. Yeah. and uh, and so the language is in there from 1986. <laughs> yeah. And so it's time people, it's time. And you know this is, it's good for everyone. Like it's good it's good This is dumb. It's the highest yeah. excise tax on any industry. Good for everyone to get trade. rid of this tax. it's
0: You know, after a year when uh there were so many headlines about the cost of trucking, when people were talking about capacity crunches, why would you have a 12% excise tax in the way you
1: know, a, yes. an
0: obstacle to someone buying a truck and getting started, you know, as an operator. Like and actually,
1: one thing that the story I don't think touches on that I'm not even clear on is um, what does that money go to pay for? It, it's not like it's infrastructure. Yeah. Like, hey, we're, we're trying to figure out infrastructure and how to pay for it. It's not, Where is this being appropriated? Right. It's probably you know, just it's going
0: into, like, some general like account. Slush fund. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's like, and think about it like us. Like, we live in Tennessee. Right, you're already paying like a sales tax of over nine percent. Nine
1: point two five. Yeah. So
0: you, yeah. you buy. If you're buying a truck, you pay the twelve percent.
1: that's back. true. That's crazy. Le, I mean, you could be paying twenty, thirty thousand more to the added price of your vehicle. Well, yeah. who's gonna want to buy? Who's and this is part of their argument. Who is going to want to buy like a nice new vehicle with modern, you know, um, modern. Not a, <laughs> yes, uh, like all of the like technology we're talking about, and and like a, a more efficient engine that's you know more sustainable. Who's going to want to do that when they have a ridiculous tax? And there's also like I mean it's one oh, I know, and
0: that's that's the horrible part. Yeah, so, like you talk about like depreciation and things like that. Like this is twenty percent. You know, give me an example of buying a you know a truck in Tennessee sales tax plus excess tax. Twenty percent of the truck's value that vanishes the, the moment you buy it. It's not like it's not like it depreciates over time. It's not like you're buying. Yeah. It's not like you're buying twenty or thirty thousand dollars of you know a more badass truck. It's just goes the, to the, the government. It's just like it's just a, it's a tax.
1: That is a great point, actually, because that's probably why most
0: owner operators and like small fleets always buy used trucks because. This yeah. Tax tax is ridiculous.
1: It's ridiculous. Uh it's ridiculous. It, that's a great point, like, about the depreciation because so so uh you're never going to get that money back. Right. You know, the value like it, in the, 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 the truck. Right. Yeah. It's not like
0: Excellent. like thirty thousand po- dollars for it. A truck that's worth
1: $30,000 more. Um, And um, I think also in the spirit of um, finding good news wherever we can find it, the the House bill currently has 17 bipartisan co-sponsors. So, hey, we might see some change and some ways to, you know, help alleviate some of those extra silly, ridiculous costs. But. Speaking of, right, right, right of course, yeah. uh, how can we pay for infrastructure? That story came up this week as well. Big
0: surprise, Congress yeah. wants uh, uh, truckers to pay for it, uh, <laughs> S- essentially.
1: Yeah, um, well, they're exploring ways, and it was one of uh, President Trump's like uh, original promises, right? They, they were going to uh, like early A $1. on, right, five
0: trillion dollar, yeah, infrastructure bill. right, that, yeah. New,
1: huge airports. So, so, that has been supposedly on the table, but for the better part of two years, um, the issue remains stagnant.
0: Yeah, they've really struggled with how to finance it. Um, and, you know, I think yeah. the Trump administration had this idea for these, like, public-private partnerships that would get access to cheap credit and build things and then sort of repay them with tolls and things like that. And uh, you know, Democrats weren't really into that and Democrats wanted to uh, spend the money outright and almost make it like a economically stimulative like, like public works program, which obviously the Republicans are saying that's very wasteful and you know, we don't have that money to do that. And So this is like a vehicle miles travel tax, a VMT tax.
1: Which, okay, to, to, to the credit of the lawmakers trying to push this ahead, um, or, or, or to the at least the thinking behind it is that you, you're not going to do a fuel-based tax anymore. There's electric vehicles. It's yes, it's true. It hasn't been updated in 25 years, but it really does penalize the trucking industry. It's like it's like an attack on the trucking industry. Well, the
0: fuel-based tax is yeah. It's it's contradictory to well, it's, it's like essentially yeah. Get, on the one hand, the, gun, <sighs> the, the EPA is is you know saying you have to get more MPGs. You have to get more miles per gallon, more miles per gallon, more miles per gallon. You have to build more and more efficient trucks, more and more efficient vehicles. Oh, yeah. On the other hand, if you're taxing fuel use by the gallon. Yeah.
1: You're you're like cheering for it. Well, You're like, like, yeah, we want them to be consuming more gas. Exactly. So
0: the year that you implement that tax is the most money it's ever going to make. And then, as vehicles get more and more efficient, it's just going to keep going. Yeah,
1: I think that's one of the points of like why they're going for just like vehicles mild. I still vehicles mild traveled. I I still think though it's like you know, like a part. Like if we're talking supply chain, we're talking the trucking industry and like the global economy. Like we are. This industry is like is is. It's the g. It's the it's the it's what makes it all happen like you can't like we need our goods yeah. we shouldn't it's 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 taxing it's unfair it really is inherently unfair uh I, I think there there've got to be better ways like even to me this is similar the VMT the vehicle yeah, yeah. miles travel to ta- it it's similar because, because I mean what, because what, naturally
0: drive the most miles Yeah, Tracks,
1: commercial, land-based commercial so so it's it's you know but it's um it's
0: rational in the sense that it's, it's connected to the use of the road and the depreciation of the road and the damage to the road. There you go. That's but, true. But I mean it's again you're just you're you're essentially just like punching the economy in the face when you try when you put taxes on interstate commerce. which you is know, what taxing trucking is.
1: Yeah. It's yeah. It's like
0: why like after, again after uh, you know the, the money's going to come from somewhere we've talked about how you know one of the best trucking companies in the US schneider is only keeping 9 cents of every dollar of revenue that
1: right like, think of those margins and they do i i uh, i will Let's, well, I think I was going to say, don't get me started, but, um, uh, you know, I will say too, one, one of the interesting things about it all is like, who knows how far this bill will actually get, but, uh, you know, congressional Republicans have chosen, you know, basically right now they're, they're not, you know, introducing new ideas because they're looking to take cues from the white house. And there's reasoning behind that there's rationale, which is, um, well, we don't want to introduce something that would get rejected anyway. We want to see, you know, like take, take cues, but, um, Right, and
0: now that the Democrats are in control, it's even, you know, it's well, even more kind of like.
1: Well, it's more complicated, but you might, you might just, and I'm going here again with optimism, but you might just think that a little tiny bit more might just be accomplished, if you know, like maybe, maybe. maybe uh, on on this front, you know, yeah. because it's one of the few things that you could actually um possibly like, f- like come funding to...
0: infrastructure building yeah. something saying like oh like for pre- the president to say look at this awesome thing i built like we know he wants to do that about a certain pet project of his on our southern border really um, i haven't if we heard could, of that if um we could do, if it, maybe if we could build some like you know roads and, and some some transportation infrastructure that's that that connects people and makes it easier to move goods Ooh. And, uh, you know, makes uh, transit velocities even even smoother. That could that could be that could he could be part of that too.
1: Wow. I'm having to absorb that that's <laughs> uh, those are some deep thoughts good suggestions um, well finally now the little bit of the legal update um, one oh, yes, are the yes, things oh, that yes. yeah this is kind. Of, it's interesting you know like um, a, a week or maybe maybe a little bit maybe a week and a half ago it seems like we we heard all about the the new prime uh, Oliviera. Oliviera um, ruling, uh, and you know we were like, "Whoa, this means um, you know the big guys can't arbitrate the little guys essentially." And uh, it's the
0: end of the independent contractors. Everyone gets to go get to court. There's going to be this huge wave of class actions. Yada yada yada. Right. And now you know things are.
1: Well, uh, even at the time, our um, our chief legal. Um, C- consultant yeah, uh, yeah, general counsel general, general counsel Bom- uh he he even said look this isn't this isn't like a uh you know it's not a bombshell but bo- that that was exactly the word uh it, it's, not a, it's major, it, but not a bombshell but uh but he was like be- well this just basically means you know that you you can't arbitrate or you can't force into arbitration well the, it's it sounds like from the analysis that um we heard from scopolitis earlier uh, this week is that, you know, that's not necessarily true. The bottom line of the ruling, according to um, the analysis that we've since heard, is that we have, um, you know, made made rulings fifty times more complicated. It's going to be state by state still in certain regards. Yeah. Um, what, so and you and in some cases you even actually want to arbitrate. Both parties may want to arbitrate. Yeah. Because it's simpler. I mean, and it, it's what, a one stop shop.
0: What New Prom versus Oliviera said, and it was actually a pretty narrow ruling, although it opens the door for a lot of different things. It basically said that, like, look, just because. New Prime is calling Oliviera an independent contractor. Doesn't mean he is one. And if he's not an independent contractor, and if he's, right, if that he, that's true. That is how they base that ruling. It's so it's very fact intensive, is how a lawyer would say. It. It, it depends on the specifics of the employment arrangement.
1: Which is why it's very it complicated. Because complicated. striking,
0: there's a whole spectrum of the different kinds of commitments that. A driver, especially an owner operator, you know, whatever you want to call it, um,
1: yeah,
0: you know, has with a carrier that he's leased onto. So, so it's it's going to get complex. There's it's going to take years for this to be worked out. But you know, the one of the, I mean, depending on the labor practices and employment arrangements of uh, these carriers and their independent contractors, they might be. they might be able to get out of arbitration and take uh, employment disputes to court.
1: One of the things that I think if there is a, a fascinating, evolving definition here of that's just like I think that the court, one ruling after another federal state level is is beginning to, to define and that is like how are we going to define you as an independent operator or not yeah. that's what all of these things are swirling around essentially right. you know and ultimately
0: it's, it has to do with what is the most? And there's another labor case. rights. Yeah, and, and just and, how do how do we fairly compensate truck drivers? Yeah, there's another case where a federal court said that uh, truck drivers should be you know paid by the hour. Um, that happened fairly recently. So uh, yeah, it was
1: uh, just last Friday that the federal Arkansas judge um, yeah. Brooks yeah. Uh, said. Um, you know he reaffirmed something do. i don't know why he had to reaffirm it but it was just simply that uh <clears throat> yeah, um losing track of my thought yeah, well yeah it, it was a
0: lower court decision that he affirmed and so it's 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 moving up the system he, he didn't re- he didn't
1: he re he okay he
0: affirmed it he didn't like reject it
1: um he didn't overturn
0: it i guess what I should say.
1: okay um uh, but because. yeah, he, 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 and it's, it's supposed to, it was Pam transport. They're pretty outraged. Um, what are the ramifications of if you have to pay him per mile to me in a sense, though, as I think about it, I'm like, well, well, if you, I mean, it, you know, a trucking company with some accounting practices, right. You could just say, okay, I'll pay per mile, but I'll pay you this tiny little bit amount. Like, you know, it's like, it's like all just because like I'm paying like can't, I mean, I'm just, I feel pretty sure that like. You can get around that, like yeah, not just paying them per mile, but paying them by the hour.
0: But what's interesting is is that okay. the court, which you know, most people would think you know, is pretty conservative now, um, especially with um, you know Gorsuch and uh,
1: the Supreme Court, sure, and Kavanaugh board. Oh, if it been, goes pre- up to that, well, well,
0: they've, well, not even that that case, but the new prime case. Like they're they're pretty. It's interesting how open they were to considering you know this. This issue. It was interesting that it was an aid 0 decision. I just think that there are some deep structural issues with the way that truck drivers are compensated, especially with the regulatory burdens they have to bear with the ELDs and things like that. There are some corners of the industry, especially if you think about like like port drivers, uh, where there are actually some pretty abusive labor practices. And I think there's sort of a growing consciousness that. We need to figure this out, and but the way that our political system is set up, and maybe the way that Congress is divided, there's not gonna it's not gonna come from the lawmakers. It's going to be worked out in this slow, sort of piecemeal way by the courts. And it's gonna take it's gonna take a long time, but you know, it's obviously it's important for any industry players to stay apprised of because, I mean. Depending on what these courts are ruling, you could be exposed to litigation or not, depending on you know
1: how you run your business. Yeah, in terms of the you know driver shortage as well, you know the, some some people just kind of you know they 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 just argue for the bottom line that you know, hey, pay the drivers more and they will work more. And while there are a lot of other mitigating factors, in the end, I think, you know, if you're from the perspective of a driver, you do want to be paid what you're worth, what you're having to deal with being on the road. And uh, so we're, uh, we're all in favor of, well, you know, just like, just like uh, to use one more sports uh, comparison, you, you want to get the call Right. You know, you just like you don't care how many times they have to review it. Well, you do care how many times they interrupt the flow of the game. But in the end, you just want them to get the call right, and that's what I feel like we should just figure out a way um, to uh, to pay drivers a fair. A f- what what is fair? So whatever right. rulings right. have to do with that, whatever however we have to define them legally. And it's interesting. It's been a cold and frigid and wild and weird. Uh, And somewhat, you know, kind of cold and dismal (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) a month. But um, it's great to... to, to be here with you, JP. Um, any final yeah. thoughts? Um, no, I, mean,
0: I just looking forward to this weather passing. I think uh, next weekend here should be back
1: in the 60s. And I think in Chicago in the 40s. So that's, so. Yeah, that's the 60s. <laughs> <laughs> South of the Dixon, right? Right. So it's great for them. They can get out of their uh, ch- ch- Chiberia such as they're experiencing. Uh, well, that's it from us for this week. And uh, hey, everyone, stay safe out there and uh, Thanks for tuning in.
0: We are here with a, another round of Five Good Minutes, and this time we have Scott Cousins, the Chief Technology Officer at Redwood Logistics. Hey, Scott, welcome to the show.
2: Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it, man. Excited to be here.
0: Um, so are you ready to run the gauntlet of Five Good Minutes?
2: Yeah, let's do this.
0: <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> why are shippers exploring new technology in the supply chain
2: you know there's, there's a lot of great opportunities uh right now for shippers um you know and we find that with a lot of the um a lot of the, our shipper customers core businesses um within you know what they're doing they're really be, they have become and are continuing to become more data driven in how they run uh, their day-to-day operations and their core uh, when it comes to supply chain and transportation um, you know a lot of times that's a you know an ancillary component for them. it's a necessary evil so uh, you know as they try to uh, optimize you know their entire end-to-end they're really looking more and more to be data-driven uh, within the supply chain um, and so you know from that perspective you know that kind of creates the the need, if you would, uh, within a lot of our shippers that we find. So, it's uh, it's an exciting time, and there's there's a lot of different ways to achieve it. So, makes it uh, pretty dynamic right now.
0: Right, that makes sense. You know, a lot of these shippers um are you know have a lot of data and a lot of analytics around you know you know that, that are about their customer relationships or about the operations inside the, their facilities. But they're not necessarily good at. Um, using data to make decisions about transportation. Um, why is that, and what what kinds of issues do they run into when they're adopting um, you know new technology in the supply chain?
2: Yeah, so you know that's, that's a, a great topic for uh, for what we see. Um, you know shippers from an, you know core ERP perspective and CRM, they've really been leaning into. You know how to how to you know optimize a uh, customer experience for them um, how to optimize their, their core operations and uh, within the supply chain uh, you know one of the gaps for them to become you know really good and really data driven is, is having a, a, a good system a TMS that they can uh, leverage for it and then getting that integration back into their their core system um, so you know you've got to you've got to move that data in order to become Uh, more savvy and make really good decisions and then also uh, integrating that uh, you know within the broader you know supply chain and transportation community um, you know integrating with carriers etc so there's really a lot of that um, that uh, it's not necessarily new technology but a lot of times it's new for shippers in that they're leaning into it and and they know what data driven looks like they just know now that they need to move into the the supply chain space with it so uh, yeah it's pretty cool
0: Great, yeah that that that's that's super interesting. Um, how does Redwood partner with shippers in the sort of, you know, evaluation and adoption phases of of uh, technology?
2: You know, we we tend to be very consultative at Redwood uh, as we're looking at shippers, really trying to understand you know where the needs are. Um, a, a lot of times, what we see uh, is Uh, There's a gap with, uh, you know, maybe they've got um, uh, their technology groups, their IT groups uh, very focused with a a backlog of things within their core or implementing uh, CRM or ERP systems. Um, You know, so for us, we really focus on simplifying that integration process, uh, helping to set up a a TMS that, uh, you know, meets the needs and, um, you know, and then, uh, you know helping them therefore speed time to uh, to realize value in what they're doing so um, you know we also find sometimes there's uh, larger shippers or shippers that focus uh, primarily on a single mode uh, for most of what they do but they might need uh, you know they might need help with uh, you know modal, they may need help with uh, LTL offering etc um, and we can really come in and help them complement what they're doing within their main mode of transportation so really a lot of different options uh, that we, you know, bring to the table. And we really try to understand, you know, first and foremost, what the needs are. And if the needs are around, uh, you know, the integration or a TMS setup, great. Uh, if they also extend into, uh, you know, any portion of managing transportation, uh, you know, we can certainly bring that to bear. Really focus on you know, what our customers, uh, you know, where their needs are and maybe where their strengths are and where we can complement them.
0: Awesome. So you just came in at uh 452. Um, right on the mark, Scott. Congratulations. <laughs> we'll have to get you right. a a t-shirt. Yeah, how does uh, sound? yeah it's it's no, it's good. Um you know, it's really I think it's just really cool um, to hear, you know, we we keep hearing in the abstract that market conditions are forcing shippers and 3PLs into tighter, more intimate uh, partnerships and collaborations, but it's really and we hear that in the abstract, it's been kind of like a talking point and almost a cliche at this point, but it's really cool to hear from someone like you who can really say like, what does that actually look like? What does that mean? Like that, you know, sending software people over and, you know, working with them and integrating their systems and helping them, um, you know, figure out how to make sense of, of transportation data and how it, how it affects you know other parts of their business and stuff like that, I think is, is a really cool kind of concrete illustration of again what could just be an empty sort of you know bullet point trend of you know a trend of twenty nineteen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know so, it's
2: yeah buzzword buzzword compliant, right? Uh, yeah, for sure. Well, you know I've, I've been a CIO now for uh, about fourteen or fifteen years, different a couple different companies, and and I've been on, if you would, the shipper side of it, um, as a CIO, and I know for a fact that, um, you know, the the supply chain transportation uh, component usually didn't get uh, anywhere close <laughs> to enough attention, um, which is, you know, so I, I've kind of been there and seen it uh, firsthand. So uh, it's fun to be on the side of it now.
0: Yeah, it's and it's. I think there's probably some renewed pressure on shippers, um, we covered a lot of the the earnings. Co- we you know, we we looked at a lot of like the big shippers' earnings calls in twenty eighteen, and it would just like mm-hmm. you know, and I think like forty percent of them would talk about f- unexpected freight costs impacting their bottom lines and affecting earnings. And so, right, you know, I I, right. f- I feel like you know this is the year where you know hopefully things you know th- even even though. People talk about capacity loosening up and demand might be a little bit softer. It's, we're still in like an inflated price environment, so I feel like there's a lot of tailwinds for you know technology adoption for and for three PLs who can um, be creative about how they help solve their customers' problems.
2: Yeah, I, I would agree with that for sure. It's um, you're, you're right. It's you know, and, and hopefully that'll you know, obviously, selfishly, hopefully that'll continue, right? Because, because um, I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of really cool things that, you know, we can help companies do, um, you know, in, in a lot of ways forward. So um, yeah, when when you have those line items, uh, I, as you, you know, have seen when you have those line items, and they actually hit a, uh, an earnings call, uh, you know, it's a big deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? When it's so, like, when it's um, not
0: just when it's not just like Paul Page in the In the journals, like logistics report, talking about it, but it's actually on the front on the front page of the Wall Street Journal. It's like, okay, this is a big deal now.
2: Yeah, exactly, and that usually gets those uh, you know those uh, senior teams and those CEOs and boards to uh, you know want to pay a lot more attention and and ask those questions, right? Because that's that's the beauty of the technology play on on supply chain right now is you actually have board members right that are coming in. Uh, asking about, you know, what are we doing on transportation with technology, right? this It's a thing. Nice. <laughs> Which That's is awesome. fun. Uh, so, That's yeah. Great.
0: Thanks a lot. Well, thanks for listening to this week's episode. And thanks again to Redwood Logistics for helping us out and partnering with us on What the Truck.
1: As always, we go into more detail about each of the topics we've talked about today on our website, freightwaves.com. We will continue to publish this podcast weekly, so be sure to subscribe to What the Truck on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Also, make sure to leave us a review to let us know what you think of our new podcast. That'll do it for today. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next week on What the The Truck. Truck.